Welcome to the Ages Comics of Alaska podcast, where we tell Alaskans what to put in their box at Alaska's comic book shop. I always wished I could do something better than comics, but there didn't seem to be anything. This is the Ages Comics of Alaska podcast, and now your hosts, Lou and Amy Joe. Hey guys, it is Lou here from Ages Comics Alaska, Alaska's uh, comic book shop, and this is the Heroes Without Capes uh, podcast. Welcome to the show. Uh, today we are going to have a special guest, Shirley Acklecock, the uh, candidate for School Board District 5. Now before I bring her on, of course, we got to pay the bills, so a uh, quick uh, word about our sponsor, Popple. Popple is the replacement for business cards, guys. If you're still using printed cards, you are wasting money you are in the past 96 percent of business cards are tossed so when you go to vista print and print your business card and hand it to someone there's a 96 percent chance that they're going to throw it in the trash afterwards because their wallet's already full of other people's cards popple allows you to transfer all your information directly to their phone so there's no excuse why they don't have your contact information, why they don't have your website, your social media, your uh, LinkedIn, and anything else that you're promoting because it's on their phone. Popple, with their technology, allows you to do that. Uh, they have these plastic uh, uh, digital cards. You have um, keychains, wristbands, and all kinds of other cool stuff, QR codes that you can use to transfer your information to your potential clients. And you don't have to worry about every time you get a promotion, change a phone number, change a website, uh, that you have to go and print new cards. You just go into the app and update it. So Popple, if you use our code HEROESAK, you get 20% off. That's HEROESAK, and you get 20% off by just clicking the link in the description and uh, uh, signing up for Popple today, you get an additional 25% off. So take advantage of Popple today. And without further ado, I'd like to bring on our guest, Ms. Acklecock. How are you doing today? I am doing great. How are you? <clears throat> doing good, doing good. Thank you so much uh, for making time on a Sunday. Um, so what we know a little bit about you, <clears throat> excuse me, is, you know, you, you, you attended Mount, uh, well, uh, you attended Mount Edgecombe. You earned your degree uh, in uh, <clears throat> in Fairbanks at UAF. Um you have taught high school in some challenging areas. You taught high school in Kotzebue. You taught high school at Mount Edgecombe. And uh, you taught high school at West High. So you've had uh, quite the career. Um, what else can you tell us about yourself? Well, I, I started off teaching. Um, and it was probably one of the best jobs that I've ever had. And that's something that I profess to um, many people. And like a lot of teachers I left because the pay was so low. Um, but I continued my career in human resources and um, I really enjoy what I do. And I really feel like uh, I'm at the point in my life where I really want to give back to the community. I found a few avenues in doing so in addition to running for school board. Um, I served on the state task, the state equity task force to um, improve access for people who are disabled. I also served on the school board's equity task force. Um, I am the president of the Indian Education Committee. So once again, it's just in a nutshell, I'm trying to serve our community better. And 
um, with, with thinking of like, what's best for my girls. I have two girls who are in elementary at Goose Bay and Kinnick Elementary. Well, we appreciate your service. Uh, I think about, uh, uh, so when were you in Kotzebue teaching? Oh my gosh, from 95 to about 99. And then from there, I taught, I went on to Mount Edgecombe to teach. Then after Edgecombe, I went to West High School. What do you think your biggest challenges were? Uh, It would be unfair to group them all together, so we'll do it separately. What was your biggest challenges as a teacher in Kotzebue? Um, I... um... You know, I had a really good experience there with the students. I mean, to this day, I'm still in contact with some of the students. And I think as far as like a biggest challenge for anything in rural Alaska, it's access. You know, if we wanted to, we couldn't, we don't have the option of going on a road trip. We don't have the option of going to um, a bookstore to find better books type of thing. I think the library was probably the size of um, probably three regular living rooms, right? And that is the choices for many rural Alaskan students. They are very finite and um, that definitely affects the way students in rural Alaska think, you know, um, you, you tend not to see beyond the line, so to speak. Uh, yeah, and that makes a lot of sense because uh, I did. Uh, I, I know one of the other issues in the in that region when I was a trooper there was the because uh, I was a school resource officer out there from uh, 2009 to 2012, and I remember attendance was a big thing, and when you don't have the resources, it's hard to retain the uh, 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 attention of kids. What uh, what were some of the tools that you used to uh, keep the kids coming to your classes? So a lot of communication with the parents. Um, For the most part, the kids came to school in in my classroom, right? But there were a select few, you know, due to whatever was happening at home, made Mm -hmm. it practically impossible. So I let parents know, hey, there are other options. You know, you don't have to completely give up on education. So take a look at these few things that might work for your child. I, I feel like the more engagement and the more communication there was, the better chance for success for students. And I think that's still true today. Now, Mount Edgecombe is an interesting uh, school because it, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, Mount Edgecombe uh, brings kids from different uh, uh, rural communities all to one location. Yes. Um, uh, can, can you talk a little bit about uh, about that for the listeners that aren't uh, uh, familiar with the I mean, the specialty that Mount Edgecombe is and, uh, you know, what what they offer. So Mount Edgecombe is a boarding school in Sitka, Alaska. And it was, I believe it was one of the, yeah, one of the first boarding schools in Alaska. And if, if I could, in a nutshell, say what they're known for, I would say producing leaders. Because you have kids from rural Alaska coming there. They build a network. They know each other for you know, basically the rest of their lives. And they use that network to grow. Um, there's a lot of healthy communication. There's a lot of positive vibe there. And um, I will say teaching there, um, many kids see so many more possibilities that they may not have seen um, 
having been educated in rural Alaska. Because like I said, you you think to align, you think to where your possibilities are, and it's really hard to see beyond that if you don't know what's beyond that, right? I'll never right. forget my um, growing up, I was maybe in middle, middle school and I'm sitting outside with my dad and he tells me, if you want to become something, if you um, are going to leave home for whatever reason for schooling, um, he says, look at those mountains over there. You're going to have to pass those mountains. And, you know, that is a thought that so many other kids have. You know, we look around us. It's not just um, geographic. You know, you're, you're talking about leaving a whole community type of thing. Um, but I really thank him for kind of planting the seed because I really started thinking, okay, how am I, how am I going to pass this mountain? That makes that makes so much sense, and it resonates with me. I know uh, I grew up in poverty in uh, Section 8 housing in, in uh, Queens, New York, and my out, in my case, was the military. Uh, but I 100% I understand uh, the thought process of uh, essentially challenging yourself, changing your environment. And, and Mount Edgecombe is not... Uh, it's not the historical mandatory. It's a it's a volunteer uh, school, correct? At this mm-hmm. point, yeah. People, the kids, they still apply to go, and there is a selection process. And um, but it it is voluntary. No one is right. forced to go. Right, and then uh, um, I mean, uh, you say that uh, it's trained future leaders. I know for a fact that at least one, if not two, of our uh, past uh, commissioners of Department of Public Safety were graduates from Mount Edgecombe. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, just, just. To, to to mention just a few um then you go to west high what were your challenges there because i know that's a completely different demographic oh yeah it was and um it was probably more of an eye-opener for me than it was for the kids right um there were a lot of military kids that were there and to see them experience um something new um i i kind of I, well, I could relate to it. Um, and there really was a lack of community. You know, kids were kind of going class to class, class to class, but parents really didn't know each other. The, if you asked a teacher, you know, what's so-and-so's mom and dad's name, they wouldn't know. Um, mm. Whereas in rural Alaska or a boarding school, that's like, it, it's it's knowledge, everyday knowledge, you know. You know... Um, any family crisis that may be happening, you know, any kind of celebration that may, may be happening, but you don't see that so much in an urban setting, which is super unfortunate. I feel like that's an area that we could really improve on. Um, and I feel like the best way to improve that is through more communication with the parents and not just, you know, here's the um, monthly newsletter type of thing. I mean, direct contact with parents, having those really meaningful discussions with parents and finding out how can I best serve you and your child? Yeah, that uh, we could definitely use a lot more of that right now. Um, the, I, I, I suspect that it's uh, very similar here in the Valley right now. Um, uh, Wasilla high um, Palmer colony high school um, <clears throat> although maybe not as bad in maybe Palmer 
or, or colony, but definitely uh, Wasella High School that's drawing from all over the uh, Matanuska Susitna Valley uh, to to get that connection with parents from uh, different demographics. I know, uh, I know that there's kids from Selawick that are now attending uh, Wasala High School, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they they they're like fish out of water there, uh, at least momentarily. You know, uh, I, I know that sports and other activities tend to draw people together, but not everyone uh, is in sports or in those programs. So uh, I, I can see where a some something that encourages communication with parents and establishing community is going to be key uh and that leads me into my next thing um you know here you are you you you're doing hr right now um you you're not under so much public scrutiny right now uh now you're going you'd like to be a member a board member of the school board and you have chosen to do this during one of the most challenging times for the education system nationwide uh, we have issues like uh, everything ranging from arguments over gender assignment and uh, defining what is a woman to uh, just dropout rates, drug usage, domestic violence in homes, uh, people arguing uh, about um, just this vast array of, uh, of issues that are affecting the local community when it comes directly to the schools, to the point now that people are just wondering if they can get a school bus, a reliable school bus to take their kids to school. Why on earth would you volunteer to put yourself under so much scrutiny and uh, to do something like this? What's going through your mind wanting to put yourself out there like this? About a year and a half ago, I really put myself in check. I was sitting at the kitchen table and I remember I was complaining about something happening at school and I was super angry and a thought occurred. Um, I I thought, you know, if I was in the village, I would... um, I would, I would join the school board. I would be on the PTA type thing. And then I thought, well, why, why am I not? You know, what kind of excuse am I making? So rather than stew and stir about um, what I didn't like, I decided then and there that um, I was going to run for the school board, right, um, to make positive changes. And as much um, as much um chaos as there is right now in the education system, I really feel like it boils down to communication. Like if we don't disagree, why did we move away from simply having a conversation and agreeing to disagree or finding common ground? I feel like we've come far from common ground and we need to get back to that. Um, And for me, that means uh, putting parents and kids first, Um, taking care of our teachers, taking care of our support staff, um, and really nurturing those relationships. Um, And that, I I remember thinking that a year and a half ago, and that next day, I called the school district and I asked, hey, you know, how do I, how do I go about running for the school board? And that's how it all started for me. And I'm still there. I'm still at that point. That is awesome. I, so I guess my second part to that would be 
should you be elected to the school board, you're going to be in an environment where when you do good or great things, there's a good chance you're not going to be recognized for it at all. When things go bad, when there's protests at a school or where there's kids going missing because of uh, bad, uh, a dysfunctional school bus system right now or where uh, classes are completely overflowing, uh, you know, the ratio of teacher to student is just not acceptable, you're going to undoubtedly get blamed for all that. What have you done to prepare yourself for the stress that's going to come with it? And uh, what have you done to prepare yourself for, uh, for reasonable problem solving for things like that? I am naturally a very analytic person, right? I, um, as you know, I, I got my master's in, in employment and labor law, and that really honed in on my problem solving skills as well as my, um, at my how I analyze things, right? And with every problem, there is an opportunity, right? And there m- might be new problems that develop with that, but that's just all that speaks to is, okay, let, let's get this done. You know, I can either sit in my emotion and kind of grovel about how maybe so-and-so complained, but instead I know that um, I need to act on it because if I don't, and I'm charged with um, representing the school district on such things, then I'm not doing my job. Um, and I am, I'm pretty good about looking at a situation and um, finding the silver lining, right? Um, finding common ground between two parties. And um, I, I am looking forward to serving the school district in this way. Awesome. You know, my, uh, my ex-wife, who I really admire, I look up to her as an educator. She was the art teacher for uh, Wasilla High School and for Wasilla Middle. And uh, I, I'm i not just saying that. It, it, I don't owe her any money or anything. There's no reason for me to say that at all. But I, uh, I really do admire her. And I remember there were days that she would come home looking like she had just been in a war, mm-hmm. like just completely wore out, emotionally drained, what do you think is contributing to that? And what do you think can be done to improve the environment for the educators while balancing, you know, because we do know that there's some bad educators out there. I think we'll find that just like in law enforcement and everything else, it's a very small percentage. Mm-hmm. But we're, what can be done to create a better environment for the educators where we're going to retain the ones we have and be able to recruit new ones to, to fill in those gaps. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in Alaska, back in the day, it was not difficult to recruit teachers um, because they had a pension plan. You know, mm. that's a huge anchor in any position. Um, and now teachers don't have that. Right. Um, and that I think is super unfortunate because if we think about the amount of, and you, you probably know this firsthand, we think about the amount of time teachers put into their job. It's not a 40 hour work week, right? right. This is a 24 seven type of position. 
Um, a lot, a lot of people, you know, they simply work nine months, but they spend their summers going to school to get the recency credits, or um, maybe they're doing an extra job to make ends meet. And I feel, I feel like we've really fallen short as far as meeting the needs of our teachers. We st- we need to start thinking about how are we going to ret- retain our teachers and. Um, in a perfect world, I would say, you know, we we need to improve our retirement system for teachers and really take a look at what's that what what will that look like now versus what it is. Yeah, I, I that is something that I've heard NEA preaching for years. Uh, you know, my uh, my ex was also a, I, I believe she was tier two, so it. You know, she wasn't affected, but she did see the new tier four uh, educators and what was happening. You know, I think it was roughly the same as the national average for all these uh, for all states that have abolished their defined benefits and gone with the 401k plan that uh, they're looking at about a five year uh, uh, retention. I do know that, uh, you know, uh, for to achieve uh, higher pay scales with educators and please interrupt me if I'm saying something wrong, but you have, it's not like, uh, with law enforcement, other profession, you just interview for it, or you just take one or two special classes. You have to go and take like another advanced degree program to be able to, to, uh, progress pay wise. You know, you have to earn your master's and, uh, uh, potentially even a doctorate, depending on what you decide you're going to be doing, and especially to affect your pay scale. So we're requiring uh, our educators to uh, go into ridiculous amounts of personal debt to to uh, be competitive for pay by getting uh, more education in the education system, the advanced education system. Uh, what, is there... Is there something that we could fix there in terms of uh, uh, maybe an incentive of something uh, for for teachers? Because I know that there's some things that exist, but uh, uh, some of them have to be military veterans to qualify for. So there are opportunities out there, of course, for um, people to get uh, teachers to get assistance as far as their degree requirements. But the problem is it's not all teachers. Not all teachers have that opportunity. And that is super unfair. So mm. I believe um, moving forward, school districts, they really need to look at, well, how, how can we assist? How can we make this less of a burden? Um, as far as I'm concerned, it shouldn't be difficult to, to retain teachers, right? We shouldn't be putting roadblocks in front of teachers to stay. We should be paving the road, you know? We should make it, we should be making it much, much simpler for them to decide to stay. And what people may not know, um, Matsu Borough is a, is a place that teachers want to go to in Alaska, especially when teachers in rural Alaska start looking at Matsu Borough. They, they choose here because it's on the road system, but it is not an anchorage, right? It's mm. not um, in a place where the cost of living may be higher. Okay. Yeah. It could. It, and once again, because of the pay scale too, and the uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it, you have highly educated people making uh, uh, a very low 
uh, ratio of pay to education, you know, and 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 any other uh, society, it would be quite the opposite, right? Um, you know, there's also some other odd things that I've noticed uh, where um, <clears throat> if if my wife had the flu and she had to call out sick, she would still have to find a way to make it to the school to get her lesson plan in so that the substitute would have a lesson plan. I don't know of any other uh, 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 workplace like that. I thought that that was absolutely insane. I used to get mad seeing it all the time. Is that, is that something that still takes place, or have they done something to fix that? I am pretty sure that that's the case, because that was the case when I was a teacher. We had to have contingency plans for um, subs when they came in. Um, and I will say, though, there are some school districts that have them pre-done, right? Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the, it, I, I do know that there, that I, I suspect that there's still some teachers to this day uh, getting a ride into school with a hundred, you know, with a 100 fever to drop off their lesson plan for their substitute, you know, at, yeah. you know, at six in the morning, yeah. which, uh, which is insane. There, I don't know of any other workplace like that, a work environment like that. No. And that is super, super unfortunate. Um, we don't, we don't take care of our teachers as much as we should in my mind. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, I suspect that, you know, for people to complain about bad educators, if you create an environment where you're, where you offer the best compensation for service, you're going to be able to recruit and retain the best qualified people because uh, you create more competition. But when you lower the work uh, or you you just worsen the work environment you get what you get sometimes and i know exactly. that that's an uh, yeah that's an unfair statement sometimes to make because that's a generalization but i i think that that's what we're seeing we're seeing it in every profession up here uh, uh unless you disagree i do not that i i agree wholeheartedly right um, people stay when they feel valued people stay when they're being paid appropriately People stay when things like health insurance coverage, it meets their needs. And um, when we start, move, when the compass starts moving away from these type of things, then we're going to lose people, regardless of the industry. Yeah. I When I went into private entrepreneurship, you know, the private business sector, uh, I started studying what some of the successful people are doing. And there's one uh, study uh, or practice in terms of a, a uh, creating a successful team, a successful environment, or work environment was uh, three things that you need to do, which is hire fast, fire faster, but promote and praise the fastest. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the theory behind that is that you see a candidate, that qualifies, hire them. Don't hesitate. If they turn out to be a bad seed that is uh, causing more difficulty for everyone else, someone that can't be mentored, something that can't be corrected, that's actually creating a more harsh work environment for everyone else trying to do their job, you fire them. And you're good people. You you praise them and you promote them as, 
as rapidly as possible so that they know that they feel appreciated and they know that they, uh, they're in the right place for themselves and that it benefits them and their family. So uh, it, it's, I find it interesting that not every workplace even knows what those theories are or even remotely practices them. I think we've seen it, uh, especially in your time as an educator, and I've seen it in law enforcement, where we will, uh, we will hesitate on hiring because we're, we're predicting budget. And we're not looking at the big picture that there could be, you know, the lack of people could create even further budget shortfalls because now you got to pay overtime and all kinds of stuff. And then retention of bad employees, you know, we, we make it almost impossible to get rid of bad employees sometimes, you know, at least that's a, a perception. And that hurts our, our environment. You know, I remember, uh, uh, you know, you'd have uh, some... And once again, I, I use this as a very, very small, tiny example because people like to paint things in broad, uh, with broad uh, brush there. But, uh, uh, you know, we had a, an educator that was accused of having sexual relationships with uh, uh, high school students. And they retained this educator for years after we had uh, done multiple investigations because uh, uh, the way the labor contracts and stuff worked, it, it, it just, people, they didn't want to take the extra step of just, we got to get rid of this person. Instead, you know, they, they were, uh, uh, they were allowing uh, um, a lazy view of labor contracts to retain bad people. And then finally, you had the good ones that were out there that you would just you were like well since they're good and they're a high performing they don't need any attention they don't need any help we're just going to ignore them and we're just going to focus on all the bad ones right now and just uh uh, uh <clears throat> a shining a turd so to speak uh what was your experience and your observations with uh, uh issues like that I will. I, and I agree with what you're saying. A lot of times um, we focus on the bad because it's so bad. And we feel like if there's almost a sense of guilt, like, oh, I, I better take care of this. Right. And mm -hmm. forget about everything else. Um, I feel that regardless of where we're at, there has to be a systemic approach in how we do business. Right. We make performance measures obvious and clear and um, we communicate, communicate, and communicate what these performance measures are. Um, and we also let people know, hey, if you're not performing at a certain standard, then we might have another conversation. If you do the following things, then our conversations may stop very abruptly, right? We have to set clear guidelines. Um, and I feel like this is especially true in the education system because we're working with kids. You know, the safety is, in my mind, number one with kids. We shouldn't be making decisions out of fear. We should be making decisions based on performance and keep it on performance. Well said. So as we bring this to a close, this is the opportunity uh, for you to speak to the listeners and to tell them why they should select you to uh, uh, take on this uh, 
this massive obligation and this massive uh, responsibility as their representative on the school board. So the floor is yours. Thank you. I feel as if I have a lot of experience in the education education system, um, not only as a teacher, but as a parent. I've written curriculum in the past. I've been involved in strategic planning measures. Um, I am at the forefront of certain issues that face not only the Matsuburo School District, but the nation as a whole, and I'm up for the challenge. I would like to be there for the parents, for the kids, and for the teachers. Um, communication is number one in, in my plan, and I would really like to hear from everyone as far as like, what's bothering you? What could work better? What should we improve? And I feel as if there needs to be a conduit for parents and kids alike to get their messages across. And I'd like to be there to receive them. I'd like to be there to make sure that whatever you're saying is heard and acted upon. I look forward to your vote in November and I sure appreciate your time today listening. Well, thank you for that. Uh, we will have the link to your uh, campaign social media in our description. So for all of you that are listening, please, please take a look at uh, that link. And I suspect that they can, uh, uh, they can post their, their questions or concerns on that page. And uh, Shirley, I wish you the best of luck. It is an honor meeting you and uh, speaking to you today. Uh, this was actually a very positive conversation. I try to uh, make this as positive as we can. And uh, you're certainly a, a hero without a cape, for sure, for taking on the, the responsibilities that you have in the past. I, I don't know of many people that could teach in the different locations that you have taught uh, under the different stressors that are involved. I don't think people understand the challenges that you had as an educator at teaching at a boarding school, at a rural school in Kotzebue, and then at West High, uh, which is one of the most challenging uh, uh, locations in Anchorage, uh, second to not many at all. So uh, thank you so much for your service to all of our students and to uh, our parents as an educator. And we hope that uh, uh, if things go well, that uh, you, you'll be representing us on our on our school board. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, we appreciate your time. We know you have your choice in what you're listening to. We appreciate that you listen to our podcast. We have more stuff coming out here soon and more guests. Uh, remember that you can support this uh, podcast by uh, visiting our website at AgesComicsAlaska.com. That's AgesComicsAlaska.com. You can also become a Patreon uh, at the same Patreon.com uh, backslash AgesComicsAlaska. And of course, you can also purchase our swag at our swag shop, which is also the Aegis Comics of Alaska website. Uh don't forget, we have Comic-Con coming up this weekend, coming up the 22nd and 23rd, our second annual Comic-Con being hosted at Everett's. And a special thanks to our sponsor, uh, Matt Valley Credit Union, for making that happen. So, guys, thank you. We hope to see you next time. And take care. You just listened to the Aegis Comics of Alaska's podcast. Don't forget, new episodes drop every week. For more info about Alaska's comic book shop, visit www.aegiscomicsalaska.com.